everyone. This is Amanda Borchel Dan. And I'm Jessica Steinberg, your host for Times Will Tell, a weekly podcast from the Times of Israel. Hello, Times Will Tell listeners. I'm here this week with Lahav Shani, the conductor of the Israel Philharmonic Orchestra, which he has been involved with since his youth. Uh, and simultaneously, chief conductor of the Rotterdam Philharmonic Orchestra and a pianist. We will talk about all of those things. We're speaking to Lahav ahead of a nine-city tour of the U.S. with the IPO, with the Israel Philharmonic Orchestra. The first uh, in three years since the start of the pandemic. Um, and that will be happening in November. We'll list the cities at the bottom of the podcast. Um Lahav Shani is the first IPO musical director to be born in Israel. It's always noted. His youth is always noted. He's in his early 30s. And really, I'm going to stop talking and welcome Lahav Shani. Welcome to The Times Will Tell. Hi, thank you. Uh, we're really happy to have you with us. So we could start in a lot of different places. Tell us a little bit about looking ahead to this nine-city tour in the U.S., which hasn't happened in a long time and is your first, clearly, with the IPO since you just took over as musical director very recently. Uh, what are some of the plans? How does it work for you uh, getting ready for this tour? Well, this is going to be the orchestra's very first tour since the pandemic. And uh, the, that's a very serious thing for the Israel Philharmonic because that's an orchestra that's used to tour almost all the time and relative to other orchestras really quite a lot quite often um i toured with the orchestra before but not as a conductor as a pianist and as a double bass player <laughs> and uh, in fact that's on our tour to the far east in 2010 that's when i really got to know the orchestra uh in japan in in south korea etc that's also the very first time that I got the opportunity to conduct the orchestra. It was just in a short rehearsal, Zubin. Wait, how old were you in 2010? I must have been 21. Wow. 2021. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and so because I went there as a double bass player and as a pianist soloist, uh, and Zubin Mehta was still music director, uh, he just offered me to conduct the orchestra in a rehearsal. I, was, I just started to study uh, in Berlin a year before. Uh, and the musicians who became my friends at this point, uh, towards the end of the tour, they really wanted to see if I can really conduct. <laughs> it's just, just a myth. Um, and so that was really the, the, the real beginning of my relationship with the orchestra as a conductor. So now finally to go on a real tour and being the music director and in the U.S. and in fantastic halls, that's a really special moment. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Okay, now break it down for us, though, because you live in Berlin, correct? Yes. And you are the official conductor of the Israel Philharmonic. You're also the chief conductor of the Rotterdam Philharmonic. How does that actually work in real time? What does that mean? Like, how much time do you need to be in Israel to get ready for this tour? And I know that you're in a hotel room somewhere right now. What does it actually mean for you and your life and your work? Well, conductors usually hardly see their own home, right. unfortunately. That's one of the maybe biggest sacrifices one, one has to do in this profession. And so, well, look, there are 52 weeks in a year. Um, about nine of them I do in Israel, about eight or nine in Rotterdam. 
a couple of weeks more with each orchestra on tour. Right. And then the rest of the time, there's a little bit of piano playing. You still have your solo career. You still yes. perform as a, as a pianist, right? I play, I play conduct. Usually I play chamber music. I play chamber music with musicians from my orchestras and uh, with soloists on festivals, etc. And I also like to enjoy my free time every once in a while. So, but then usually... I, I would go to Israel now, for example, to rehearse with the orchestra for concerts, subscription concerts in Israel. And then after we've done all the concerts, then we would have a few days to just just refresh the repertoire that we're going to take on tour uh, because we have we have played this repertoire before. So it's not like starting from scratch for us. So just a couple of days and then we we can go and start the tour. So there's a lot of discussion, of course, about your youth, your age. You're in your early 30s, 33, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Um, And the fact that you're the first IPO musical director to be born in Israel and the fact that classical music and orchestras are dealing with this challenge that audiences are aging and younger audiences are not necessarily coming out. And what does that mean for what does that mean in terms of the challenge for you? What does it mean in terms of the Philharmonic's uh, repertoire and what you play and how you bring y- younger audiences to hear you? What does that mean for you? Yeah, well, one has to look at everything in the right context. First of all, we are just stepping out of this two years of pandemic. Right. Everywhere in the world, classical music suffers, not just classical music, Basically, everything that is outdoors, everything that people have to actually go out and and, uh, make plans and so on, we all suffer. So taking that into account, somehow the Israel Philharmonic uh, is really blessed with one of the best publics in the world. And um, we're already selling out concerts again in Tel Aviv, in Jerusalem, in Haifa. Um, And I'm saying this is really a blessing because it's not the same situation everywhere in the world. Um, and our public is really loyal, faithful, and great music lovers in Israel. Um, and the orchestra sometimes repeats the same program five, six, even seven times. Um, I don't know any orchestra in the world that plays so many times the same program. The hall has about 2,000 seats, 2,300 or so. And uh, there are about, let's say, Eight to ten thousand people who would like to got it. So you're repeating it so that everyone can make it to the to the same repertoire. Okay, exactly. So it's about about three times in Tel Aviv, two times in in Haifa, and one time in Jerusalem. And that's that's just to play for all of our subscribers. Um, the programs about the age of the public. Well, that's really an ongoing thing for for decades, I should say. Uh, classical music was always something that let's say. Not the youngest people found interest, uh, talking about the mass audiences, which is, it's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, and we, when we talk about the young generation of, of uh, public, of course, one really wants to invest in children and, and children's concerts and education and so on. But also, I mean, just uh, sometimes the 40, the 50 years old, who come to concerts for the first time um, is not not less important. I'm, I mean, the, the important thing for me is that anyone who has any curiosity for music uh, shouldn't be afraid 
to come and try out and uh, and not to think that if they don't know enough then they cannot enjoy it it's not true it's of course once you know once you have more references uh, you you're aware more of what you're about to listen to you are more prepared sure you you can enjoy it much much more um but the idea is that first of all you need the curiosity um and the music will just take you over uh, if if you're really interested and if you allow it and and if you become an active listener let's take a quick break from my conversation with lahav shani the conductor of the israel philharmonic israel will be going back to the voting booths on november 1st it is final back to the voting booths back to Welcome to Paralyzed Nation. This is Israel's fifth election in less than four years. But what are these elections actually about? The politics of deadlock. A face-off between populist identitarian politics and the effort to preserve Israel as a liberal democracy. Small shifts at the margins. I don't think we're going to have a solution. We're heading towards another deadlock. The rise and the mainstreaming of what we might politely call the far right. A referendum on Netanyahu. I'm Amanda Borsal-Dan. Join me and our Times of Israel political analysts. Chaviv Retigur. Jeremy Sharon. Carrie Keller-Lynn. Tal Schneider. David Horowitz. As we drill down on these hard-to-answer questions in this limited edition podcast series that is exclusively for our Times of Israel community. Just go to timesofisrael.com backslash paralyzed to join our community if you haven't already and to access the exclusive podcast starting October 6th. Welcome to Paralyzed Nation. And we're back from a quick break. Now we'll continue with my conversation with Lahav Shani, pianist, conductor of the Israel Philharmonic, and the chief conductor of the Rotterdam Philharmonic Orchestra. You took over for Zubin Mehta, which uh, I can't really imagine what that's like to uh, to follow in those footsteps. And obviously, you have your own very impressive chops and reputation, of course. But to follow Zubin Mehta is, uh, I imagine, must have been something of a uh, of a wow. Okay, how do I do this? And to, of course, set your set. A, your own path for yourself to say, I am who I am. And he was who he, what he did, what he did. What does that mean for you in real time? What does that mean for you as someone who has really been in this business for a long time? You know what you're doing, of course, but what does that mean to follow in his footsteps for you? Well, first of all, it's a big honor. No question. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zubin Mehta is, I would say, one of my mentors, one of the musicians that really inspired me to become a conductor in the first place. I've played with him many times in the orchestra as a double bass player. I played with him as a soloist, pianist. Uh, as I said before, I went on tour on tours with him, with the orchestra. So, uh, you know, there's a real feeling of, of uh, you know, being almost colleagues, uh, even when I was much, much younger. Now, of course, as, as two music directors of the same orchestra. Um, in that sense, that makes it much easier, of course. And also, the, my relationship with the orchestra really has been shaped for many years and developed and, and 
became very natural process. So it's not like I just came out of nowhere and uh, there you go, young boy, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> into the footsteps of this great and uh, very famous conductor. Let's see what you can do. <laughs> you <Right>. know, <laughs> sure. I mean, if you, if it would have been like that, that's very different. Yeah, uh, yeah. Luckily, not at all. And as I said, I had this very first experience on tour as an assistant and then the orchestra invited me after I won the Mahler competition in 2013 and since then I, I came back every year they, they kept inviting me as, as a conductor as a pianist both at the same time they liked you <laughs> yeah they liked me I liked them many of the young musicians in the orchestra young I, I mean people my age I grew up with them you know sure but sure. these are people that that I know since childhood I played with some of them in youth orchestras well wow. and so on so I it, it really became uh, and it was already a family even yeah. before I, I started this relationship uh, so when they named me music director when they offered me the title I believe 2018 18 19. It, it was really not a beginning of a relationship, you know. Continuation. So it was really a continuation, exactly. So taking all of this into account, it actually it feels very natural and very much the right thing to do and uh, very comfortable. And we have a very direct relationship. We're very direct with each other as Israelis are yes, in yes, general. Yes, yes, that's good. Do great. Because often, of course, I get the, the question, how do you deal with people older than you? Or, or how do you deal with people who are your friends, in fact, and, and you are supposed to lead them and, uh, and tell them what to do? And uh, if, they, if something is wrong, you should also be able to point it out. So the thing is, the, this relationship is, is so you know, clear and direct and, uh, and natural that I feel very comfortable just you know, with, with my utmost respect to all of the musicians, just uh, be very natural in my leadership with them. And I feel that uh, they're happy to, to go together with me and, uh, and explore everything. What about your multifaceted career? In other words, there's conductor, there's pianist, there's double bass. What, what is that like to be both a performer, player, musician, and the one who is guiding the whole show? Do you need both? Do you feel like you need both in order to satisfy both sides of your musical talents and your musical desires? What is it like to have both of those sides of yourself? Well, it's at the end, it's the same thing. It, making music is making music. However, the big difference of between conducting and playing an instrument yourself is that when you conduct, you're always dependent on other other people. Ah. Um, you see, you have your musical ideas, but you can move your hands as fast as you want or as loud as you can. It doesn't make <laughs> any sound. It's other people that have, you know, they have to like what you do. They have to agree with you. You have to convince them. And then they might play as you think they should. Um, and when you play the piano, it's just you and the keyboard, and that's it. And if you're in good shape, and if you practice, there's a good chance <laughs> that uh, you might be able to make the sound that you imagine. So it's also it's very healthy in a way to, as a conductor, to keep this physical contact with the sound, uh, not to forget what it means for the musicians to make those sounds. It's not just that they do what you want and they do what you tell them, you know. 
it's they are the ones who express themselves and they are the ones who make the sound and and try their best uh not for you for themselves for for the music for the for the public for the composer uh so this it's really it's a collaboration at the end but uh, if if you really play an instrument often then you don't lose this feeling and you don't lose the feeling of what it means to make sound for other people No, I like that explanation. And then, given the fact that you have two different orchestras that you work so closely with, what is that like in terms of what you produce? In other words, you have two different orchestras and two different audiences, I imagine. But is there ever any overlap? I imagine you do one thing in Rotterdam and you think, hmm, what could I do with this, with the, Israeli, with the Israel Philharmonic and vice versa? Or is it just completely separate? How does that work? Well, any piece that I take for any orchestra, not just for my orchestras, but also when I'm as a guest conductor, for example, right. this week in Munich, I never planned before what am I going to tell this orchestra specifically that is going to be different than other orchestras. Uh, in fact, you cannot plan it. And the rehearsal process, a lot of it is improvisation. It's not improvisation about your idea about the music, because this you have to prepare. Uh, and be very, very specific with yourself about your decisions in the music. But then you're standing in front of the orchestra, you have an ideal way, let's say, in your mind, and the orchestra does something that may be slightly different than your idea. Even though they see your body language and you're clear, they have their tendencies or their habits or just they want to do something else. And then as a leader, you... You need to ask yourself the question often, should I just take what I have right now? Is it good enough? Is it better than what I thought? Or is it very far away? And if I just let it happen, the performance is not going to be coherent. So I must insist on my way. And so sometimes it's just for, for very little decisions. Sometimes it's for sound in general, for balance. Um, you try to stay as objective as you can also as a conductor, because if you tell the musician in the orchestra, can you play it uh, like that and not another way, uh, there's a very good chance they will ask, well, why? Why is your way better than mine? And it, it's a very fair question. Um, so you must be able to convince the musicians why they should play one way or another. Or if you like what they do, also just say, hey, actually, that I like that <laughs> better than my idea. <laughs> we just keep it, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, you know, in a way, think about uh, film directors, for example. Think, yeah. think about your favorite film director. Most likely, they have a very clear vision, a very clear image of, of the entire film in their mind. But then they're facing these world-class actors. And the actors, sometimes they have their way to, to say phrase, to, to, to say the text and so on. So there must be very good and healthy communication between the director and the actor so that the actor is able to say things as he understands or as she understands uh, with their subtext. Um, and if the director feels this, this could work well in the context that I have in, in my vision, then he should just let it happen. And if not, he should be able to guide them in another way without telling them you have to say it exactly like that because and it's it's very artificial. So it's exactly the same same kind of uh, communication. I like that metaphor. Okay, last question. You obviously have many new beginnings happening with you in the next months and year, but what are some of the 
one one or two things that you're looking to bring to your plate this year, whether it's musically as a performer or as a conductor? What are some of the things you're hoping to add to your repertoire? Well, you know, repertoire is something that we determine one, two, sometimes three years before we actually play it. I have to say sometimes it's a bit annoying because let's say there is a piece <laughs> you really, really want to perform or you say, well, in three years... <laughs> That would be so nice to do. That's Maybe rough. in three years you don't like it anymore. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> okay, then in the shorter term, in the shorter term, though, what can you change? What can you say, I want to get this in the next 12 months? I want to add this to what I do, what, what, how I am engaged out there musically. Well, just continue and deepen these relationships with my orchestras. And uh, as I said, these are philharmonic. It's true that this relationship goes years back. But as music director, this is just going to be my second official season uh, because my, my first season had to be delayed uh, during the pandemic, obviously. Um, so it's really about deepening these relationships and, and keep exploring different territories of the repertoire together and keep discovering our sound. I say our because every orchestra has a sound. Every conductor has tendencies and uh, and uh, taste. So the combination of a conductor of and of a certain orchestra needs to bring something unique, something that is different. Uh, and this is something that is to be discovered. It's not that I can imagine, it, you know, to the to the last note in my mind, and the orchestra has to do exactly what I imagine. This is a process that we need to really understand each other better and better, which we already do, um, and just make it more and more obvious for ourselves so that we're completely free to express the music uh, at the end, not focus on how we do it, but, but on, on the music itself and, and stay in the flow and in communicating it with the public. Lao Shani, I uh, hope that that is that all your dreams come true for this year, and uh, that you're able to keep on bringing the music to us. Uh, we will very much appreciate having you on the Times Will Tell, and wish you a Shana Tova and a good New Year. Shana Tova, thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Times Will Tell from the Times of Israel, and thanks to our producer Gilad Brownstein. Please subscribe wherever you find your podcast, and check out our daily briefing news show every Sunday through Thursday. Like what you hear? Consider rating us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to spread the word. Until next week, Shalom. Shalom.